Greetings, book lovers everywhere. I'm E-Train and welcome to E-Train Talks, where I discuss everything books in the hopes of inspiring others to love reading as much as I do. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking with Esme Symesmith, the author of the middle grade meaningful magical adventure novel, Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston. Thank you so much for joining me on E-Train Talks, Esme. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I'm excited, to, and I know that the audience is thrilled to be learning about Sir Callie's and the Champions of Helston, as well as your other works of writing. So to everybody listening, here's a brief summary of Sir Callie's story. So Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston is such a fun read, and I'm so proud to be able to feature the lovable novel on my podcast during Pride Month. Sir Callie is an epic tale of self-discovery, friendship, and finding one's true calling. Sir Callie's story is truly magical and filled with all the colors of the rainbow. I can't recommend Esme's novel enough. And I'm so glad you can join me today and talk about your writing journey, Esme. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to talk about Callie and I feel like as we approach November, I'm gonna get more opportunities, but this is the first time I've really talked to someone who's read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of people lining up to pre-order Sir Callie's story after this podcast. They're going to love as much as I did. Thank you, I hope so. So my first question for you is Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston features a lot of meaningful and important themes, including friendship, pride, and acceptance. Are these messages that you tried to incorporate in your other novels? Yeah, um, I mean, I've always been very interested in writing about kind of kids finding their power, and especially those who don't necessarily feel like they're worthy of being the heroes of their own story. Um, whether they've been beaten down by their family or the society around them. Um, I've always wanted to find stories and see myself in stories where, you know, the angry, messy kids manage to find their way towards redemption and to help the people around them too. Um, Obviously, Callie is my my debut novel, but um, in previous works, they've had similar themes too. Yeah, and those are themes that are extremely relevant and ones that I really like finding in middle grade because I just think that that adds a lot more depth to an already thrilling story. And I think that Sir Callie, um, they they really faced a lot of adversity, but they overcame all of that and they came out on top and they saved the day, which I'm yeah. so Yeah, and um, I think one of my favorite things about Callie's story is it's not so much about um Callie finding their way through but them helping their friends who haven't been so lucky in their home lives and having people who support them find their way through as well yeah characters like Elowen, Willow they're probably my favorites because not only were they, they they also faced a lot of hate for who they wanted to be Mm-hmm. But they were also really good friends along Callie's journey. And eventually it wasn't just Callie's journey to finding t- themselves, but it was all of their journeys. Exactly. And I, I think especially in middle grade, like having that breadth of experience that kids can see themselves in is really valuable because so often we're limited to the point of view character. Um, and that was something I really struggled with as a reader of middle grade when I was younger. I never really saw myself in the protagonists. I always saw myself in like, the side characters or the antagonists, which is frustrating. So it's been a real privilege to be able to kind of make all of these kids heroes in their own right. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you added that aspect to Sir Callie. And that leads me to my next question. So Sir Callie's story is set in medieval times, yet includes themes that would be considered ahead of its time. 
How did you in incorporate the idea of a queer character in a medieval novel? Yeah, well, Kelly is very much, it's not historical, it's fantasy. And I cannot <laughs> emphasize enough how not historically accurate it is, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I was very inspired by fantasy fiction. Um, I really love A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger. That was my favorite thing. Um, you know, you've got these badass medieval characters, but they're jamming out to modern music. And it's a very modern story set in a yeah. medieval time. Um, so for me, it's it's a contemporary story, but it's set in a fantasy world. And yeah. it was really important to me that the the real meat of the story isn't kind of bogged down by the historical setting um, because I wanted it to be relatable and I wanted it to be inspiring for kids who need it to be inspiring rather than being able to say, oh, you know, it's historical, so I can't relate to it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love thinking about my characters in like a contemporary setting at school right now because I think they would fit just as well as they do into their swords and sorcery. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I wrote Kelly during 2020 when everything was chaotic and <laughs> it was my pandemic book. Um, and I felt a lot of rage at what was going on in the world. And Kelly was both my escape and my way of just like expressing my anger at the world. So it was like equally escapism and working my thoughts out as well. Yeah, and I can certainly see that in Kelly's story because I can, I think it really reflects like, um, so the character also based like they were also very angry at the world mm -hmm. so Callie didn't was hated that people were treated horribly just because of who they are or who they want to be and I think that writing novels is such a great way of expressing your anger without really lashing out at anybody in particular but kind of lashing out at the pages exactly and I, I feel like for middle grade especially um, I think for why an adult it's very easy to let your anger carry the whole way through the novel but for middle grades um you know it always has a happy ending at least in my books like it's very yeah. important for me that the kids come out on top no matter how they start or what they're doing um you always have that like light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. um so even though I was writing about Callie who's very angry and very righteous and the other kids who have been through hell and back um there's always that promise of hope on the way out which isn't necessarily what we have in real life, but it's what I hope for. Yeah, it's what I hope for as well. And it's such a great theme in Sir Callie. And I also, I'm so glad that middle grade has kind of become a wider known genre because mm -hmm. I feel like middle graders, we need to know that there is going to be a light at the, at the end of the tunnel. And both the characters and fictional stories and also in real life, we need, we need that hope. We need that feeling of hope. We do. And it's a cliche, but like kids are the future. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that can be overstated enough. Um, but what I really love about middle grade and kid lit, even from board books, picture books, middle grade and upwards, you know, it's it's for kids, it's for middle graders, but it's also very accessible to adults who are only just like discovering these concepts. Like I think gender and sexuality is a really good example of this because I'm a toddler teacher. So I have board books about pride, I have picture books about um, queer characters and middle grade books. And, you know, I read them to my kids, but I've also given them to my father-in-law and people who need to like learn from the ground up <laughs> that these people exist and kind of that's okay. So I think especially for queer lit, 
um, it makes it very accessible to people who are coming new to the community. It really does. And I'm so thankful that you and so many other middle grade authors, you're really, you're kind of writing what a lot of people need to hear. And I'm so <laughs> grateful. Thank and you. that leads me to my next question. So it was ex it's exciting to hear that you're currently working on a Sir Cali sequel. Woo! <laughs> I know. I'm very, very lucky. I can't believe I get to be an author of a whole fantasy series. Yeah, I love fantasy series. So I was thrilled to hear that Sir Cali is going to have a book two and hopefully some more books. So are there any sneak peeks you can share with us without story spoilers? <laughs> dragons, lots of dragons. Um, I actually, in, in my original concept for Kali 1, I did not have any dragons, so <laughs> my editor is very big on dragons in middle grade, um, so I was just like, okay, well, this is my opportunity, so obviously I have one dragon in book one, but book two is very much dragon-focused, I'm very excited about that. Um, I also have a lot of themes about kind of, how do I explain this? It's, it's the way that, you know, your grown-ups kind of tell you how to see the world and how they view the world and it's not necessarily wrong but it's their experience mm -hmm. so book two is very much learning the kids learning that there's more to the world than the narrative that they've been told like they've kind of come through the helston situation learning that not everything is as it seems and now the wider world is opening up and they're really questioning both themselves their place in the world and everyone around them um, it's very much about finding your own information instead of depending and believing on what other people tell you. Um, I also have a lot of aspects that are very prevalent right now, unfortunately, about the way that queer adults around kids are being vilified. Um, so that's both fun and not fun. Um, I'm thankful to have um, a way to talk about this, but I'm sad that it needs to be said. <laughs> Um, so, yep, dragons and politics, you know, I think that's my, that's my theme right now. Well, sometimes politics can feel like dragons, so it's a great mix. Dragons are easier to deal with. <laughs> and now I absolutely can't wait for book two, because <laughs> I love dragons, and I also love seeing politics expressed in middle grade. Like, they, it's kind of, um, but it's also like a fun aspect to it like it feels a lot lighter in middle grade but it's also really important to express opinions um through middle grade as well yeah I, I think you um it gives you more option I think you can read it in a political light and really get down deep into like the heavy stuff but you can also treat it as you know a fun fantasy without all of that so depending on your mood on the day you can decide how much to read into it yeah and my next question is, what's your most treasured part of Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston? So I love this question. I loved like digging into book one and thinking about it, but um, I had so many and I realized that um, they were all the moments when each kid decides for themselves that they want to fight and move forward. Mm -hmm. um, so we have Willow kind of realizing that, you know, he's never going to be able to be what his kingdom wants him to be and he doesn't want to be and that's his choice and Elwyn deciding to fight for her brother and then Edwin's whole fiasco which I'm not going to go into because spoilers um but each of those moments because you know all those choices are very hard it's very hard to come to the point where you can go against what's normal and what's familiar and what's comfortable but in like a toxic kind of way 
um, I really keyed into a moment in my life when I realized that my mom wasn't a very good person. <laughs> um, and it was like, it was a very hard realization to come to, but it was one that really propelled me forwards into my independence and to working out who I am, regardless of her. Um, so each of those moments for my kids was really valuable to me. And those are actually the moments that I treasured from Sir Callie. And also, I love those moments in middle grade because it's really like, it's kind of the moment when, like, because the characters are kind of, they're learning and learning, but that's kind of the moment where they realize the world isn't perfect and, and the world wants us to be one way, but we're not going to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And just having that realization, it's probably my favorite part of all stories. Mm-hmm. Seeing the kids really overcome what others want them to be and being themselves. That's, yeah. that's, and I'm so glad that you incorporated that multiple times <laughs> in the Sir Callie story. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because like, I feel like each of my four main characters are so very different in their experiences and the way they deal with their circumstances that I really had a good sort of scope to show different ways of moving forwards. And, you know, those choices are always hard, but they're empowering at the same time. And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And did you experience any writer's block while writing Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston? Or did the words kind of flow out of you? Um, so I've been doing NaNoWriMo since 2013 because <laughs> I hate drafting. Um, so I like to just get the whole nasty business out of the way in a month. Um, so I feel like the the core trunk of the plots came very easily. I knew I wanted a genderqueer kid learning about their place in the world and finding their friendships and coming out on top. Like that was always the core of Cali One. Um, and that never really changed, even with my biggest revisions. Um, the biggest problem I always have, no matter which book I'm working on, and I'm finding that with Kelly too, it is driving me insane because I should know better by now. Um, <laughs> it's like, even though I know what I want, I have so much choice in how I'm going to do it. So often I'll spend a day going along one branch and then realizing that that's a dead end and I'm going to have to go all the way back and do something else. But even though I feel like I might have wasted a day, wasted a couple of days, all of those words are very valuable um, because they always tell me something about the characters that I didn't know before. And I can always use those experiences in the next branch, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Um, So I wouldn't say I necessarily get writer's block because I always push through because I don't really have time to sit with it. Um, But I definitely, have moments where I struggle knowing how I'm going to portray something and what to focus on. Well, uh, that kind of makes me think about how the characters are also pushing through, like they're coming out on top, and you, and but the writers also have to do the same thing when writing the stories. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, feel like writing is very much um, solving problems that you close to yourself. <laughs> and it's great to know that um, authors, they sometimes experience little struggles in their stories, mm-hmm. um, no matter like, like how experienced they are. Um, and I, that really kind of makes me, f- and I know that a lot of other aspiring authors, it really kind of makes us feel seen in a sense, like, because I've always thought of authors like the greatest thing in the world, like, mm-hmm. well, they can't make mistakes, they have a book. 
Um, no, it's, it's easy to look at your bookshelves and be like, oh, yes, this was their first draft. This is easy for them, whatever, whatever. Like, yeah. um, I feel like my hardest learning curve coming from being an aspiring writer to deciding that I'm going to be a writer is learning how much of writing is rewriting yeah. and understanding that it takes time, <laughs> even though I wish it didn't. Yeah. So it's really, it's really like, it gives me a new perspective about writing. And that's another reason why I do the E-Train Talks podcast, because me, I know that I, as along with all the listeners who want to be authors, we all, we all kind of need to realize, me especially, because, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a kid, that um, we really need to, le- I really need to learn patience and some, because yeah. pa- patience is a virtue. That's what everybody always tells you. It's true, yeah and it really kind of it gets it's hard to learn patience but what you but when you do which mm-hmm. I haven't yet because I'm still 11 um, <laughs> <laughs> um but it'll you'll really come out on the other side and you'll come out on top and realize that there's a light at the end of the tunnel even if you'll find that light in two three or ten years exactly and I, I will also say for any aspiring writer who's like struggling with patience um, really just enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to hyper fixate on the end goal, like getting published. But, you know, that is such a long way away. Even if your journey is as smooth as it could possibly be, it's still a really long journey because you got to write the book. you got to revise the book. you got to query the book. you got to get an agent for the book. you got to revise again. you got to go on submission. And you don't know if you're going to reach your goal. But if you write for yourself, if you write things that you love, then you won't resent each draft that you have to do. You won't resent each day that you feel like you've wasted or each year that you feel like you've wasted. Cause you know, honestly, I feel like the earlier you start, the better it is Um, because I started writing seriously when I was 12 Um, and I did fan fiction, but because I wasn't considering like publishing or any of the grown up stuff that I didn't want to think about, it was very much like I am writing what I enjoy writing and I'm sharing it with my friends and I enjoy people reading it. So I feel like I learned a lot of the hard lessons without realizing that they were lessons. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got to the point where I knew I wanted to be a traditionally published author, all of the hard stuff had been done. (laughs) Yeah. If that makes sense. It does make sense. Okay, good. And my next question is, if you had to choose one message that your readers would take away from Sir Cali, or any of your other stories that you're hoping to publish, what would that message be? Um, it's definitely going to be family of people who love you, regardless of yeah. what. You know, it's Callie is very much a story about the family that you choose for yourself. Um, and I think especially for queer kids, that's especially important because, you know, a lot of kids aren't lucky in their home lives, but they have a whole, you know, a whole world of community, of queer community, who are willing to throw down for them and fight for them and do what we need to do to protect the kids because they're the most important. Um, So I think especially right now with the situations going on, that's what I want them to take away the most. Like they are loved even if they don't feel like it. Well, that's such a meaningful message and I'm so glad you incorporated that in Sir Cali. And so my next question is kind of already been answered, but I'd really like you to expand on it a little bit more. So were you a fan of medieval fiction before writing Sir Cali or even before you really got into fan fiction? Yeah, I mean, my 
gosh, my start as as a reader, as a writer, as anything, as a kid who liked to imagine things was Tamora Pierce and her books, especially the Alana books and the Kel books. I don't know if you've read them, um, but they're about girls who want to be knights and about finding their way through those situations. Um, and I always, I always just loved being in a world where there were swords and dragons and horses and the adventure. Um, I wasn't really into like the magic side, but I really love just like the medieval side. Um, I probably haven't read as much as I should in that kind of medieval world, but those were my favorites. And um, when I was 10, we went on vacation and I pretended to be the protagonist in one of Tamora Pierce's books for a full two weeks before anyone found me out. So I was very proud of that. <laughs> well, it's always great to have a history and loving the genre that you're eventually going to be writing about. Yeah. and. I think that that really translated into Sir Cowley and also other authors who experience the same thing, just loving the genre that they're writing. I think that that also adds a lot more meaning and just makes the story a whole lot more thrilling. Thank you. I mean, I wrote Cowley when the pandemic started, when I was on submission with my first book that didn't sell. So it's very much a, I need to do something that I'm going to love <laughs> just for myself. So that's how it started. Yeah, and it's always great to write for what you love, which we've talked about in the interview. Oh, yes. So how much research did you do while writing Sir Cali? Did you like <laughs> like have your head in a book like the entire time? And uh, and also, were there like a lot of resources that you used primarily during your research? Oh, as I said before, and I will say it many times, I'm going to get <laughs> tattooed on my face. Kelly is definitely a fantasy and not a yeah. historical. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I am not a research person. I'm not a historian. I just love vibes and aesthetic, <laughs> which I know is not the responsible thing. But um, I know my, my excuse is that I was writing a contemporary set in a land where they have swords and dragons. Yeah. Um, for the first draft, I did no research just because I wanted to get through it completely. Mm -hmm. um, but for the second one, I really needed to. So I have what's called white room syndrome. I don't know if you've heard about that. Um, it's very much where your characters exist without setting. So basically just having a conversation in nothing, in a void. Um, so I knew that I needed to make scenery immersive and realistic. I needed to really work on my landscape and, you know, the places they go and where they are. Um, so I did a fair bit of research for those things. It was very much going back to my roots because I'm from the southwest of England. Um, and Kelly, I decided that Kelly was going to be inspired by Cornwall. Um, there's a place um, right on the coast called Tincadual, which is said to be King Arthur's castle. Um, so I did a lot of research into that and kind of got the vibes of the landscape. I wanted it to be a love letter of the places from my childhood that meant a lot to me. Um, so you have a lot from Dartmoor, a lot from Cornwall, a lot from Devon. Um, so it wasn't necessarily historical research, it was just reminding myself of how it felt to be in that setting, so I could share it with other people. Well, it's always great to kind of have, you don't really need to do research, because research is probably, I mean, some people might say otherwise, but in my opinion, research is probably the most grueling process of a novel. That's how I feel. I think it definitely depends on what you're writing and why you're writing it. I know there's been a lot of discourse about research. So when I saw your question, I was like, oh, God, because <laughs> I know I'm not the most responsible writer. And I know that is a privilege. But um, 
for me it was always very much aesthetic and vibes yeah not that makes sense vibes. Yeah, so don't don't go into Cali looking for historical fact. <laughs> and but I don't I don't think that there's really such thing as a responsible writer. Well, like maybe doing research is kind of the responsible thing to do. Just kind of a loving writing. That's kind of how you be a responsible writer because you can't really be a writer in a sense if you don't love what you're doing. Like for all we like you might be just like cuz you really need to love the job that you're doing like when you're a writer cuz you have to pour your passion into your stories and that's kind of that's kind of what makes writing, like reading a joy to both the readers and also and writing a joy to the writers. So I don't think there's really a definition. I don't think there's really a definition of a responsible writer. So yeah. just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> I, I will cite this if anyone ever comes to me. <laughs> just tell them, oh, each train said that I'm a, I'm a good writer. I'm not, I'm, there's no such thing as a responsible writer. So exactly. You got me. You got me. So would you and Sir Callie get along if you met in real life? I think we clash real bad for a while because we're very similar and very stubborn. <laughs> and I think um, once we've hashed it out, I think we would be good friends. Well, that's always great to hear. And I do think that you two would eventually get along and she and they'd teach you how to use a sword um, mm -hmm. and and like fight dragons and stuff. <laughs> Hallie is much more um, well-balanced in their identity and life than I am. So I think they would teach me a lot. Yeah. So my next question is if, this is kind of one that I haven't actually asked before, but it's one that's always been on my mind. If Sir Callie was made in, into a movie, which actors would you choose to play Sir Callie, Elowen, Willow, Sir Nicholas, and others? Yeah, well, well, it's sort of definitely a hard one because they're so vivid in my head now. It's hard to put like actual real people to them. Um, but I was very inspired. Have you watched Anne with an E on Netflix? I have. Oh, so good. Um, Anne and Diana are both very Callie and Elwyn to me. Um, I always use those in my aesthetics, so they would be the perfect Callie and Elle. Um, Willow has always been Edmund from the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, he might be a little bit old now, but <laughs> back, back in the day, he was the yeah. perfect fan cast. And Nick is 100% Heath Ledger, but unfortunately, Heath Ledger is not with us anymore, um, which makes me very sad. And I think Jason Isaacs would be the perfect villain for Perrin. Those are some great answers, and I'd love to see all the characters kind of like immerse themselves and really like become a movie. I'd love oh to gosh. see a Sir Callie movie. I would too, or a cartoon, or anything yeah. that's done well. Mm -hmm. That'd be that'd be the dream with a good soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> definitely with a good soundtrack. Oh yeah, like the you have the medieval soundtrack and also like a magical medieval soundtrack. I don't know if there's really like a specific soundtrack on Spotify or anything for that but have you um heard any of the I think it's called Bardcore um and it's like they they recreate like modern day music but like in a medieval sort of tone oh, wow I'll it's so good that. it's very good um I have a few of those on my playlist I will send them to you because they're very excellent mm -hmm. and now unfortunately that that leads us to our final question of the day so if you could be or meet any literary character fictional or real who would it be and why Oh, it's got to be Joe March from Little Women. Um, I've always identified heavily with Joe, who is a feisty writer, just like me. Um, and there's recently been a lot of conversation about Louisa May Alcott and Joe actually being trans. 
without having the language or the ability to come out. So I would love to sit down with Joe and Louise May Alcott and have a conversation about that. That would be so fun. That's such an interesting answer. So everybody, my guest today has been the wonderful and adventurous Esme Symes-Smith. Esme, it has been a pleasure talking books with you today. And I want to heartily thank you for joining E-Train Talks. Thank you for having me. This is such an honor. Well, it was a real honor for me to talk with you because Sir Callie, I was captivated by it. I read it very fast. (laughs) I I guess you would call me fast, but I just loved the book so much that I couldn't put it down. Since it was an um, electronic copy, I had my iPad in my lap and I was just Mm -hmm. reading it and (laughs) it was so good. And I know that all of you listening will love Sir Callie's story as well. And so everybody, today we talked about Sir Callie and the Champions of Helston, a 10 out of 10 read, which I highly recommend getting your hands on as soon as it's on the shelves. November Uh, 8th. Yep, November 8th. (laughs) You're going to love it, everybody. I know I've said it like a million times, but I mean it. You're going to really like it. Thank you, Adrian. So you can pre-order Esme's novel and follow Esme's writing journey on Twitter at Esme Simesmith or on esmesimesmith.com. They've been a part of a couple um pride month panels i know that they're going to be featured and on a lot more panels in the future because sir Callie's story it's getting closer the day of its release is getting closer and i know that there's going to be a lot of hype around it and i know that there are going to be a lot of people lining up to say oh can i interview you about sir Callie's story <laughs> i'm glad that anyway, I'm i hope so <laughs> and that's all for today stay safe keep reading and i'll see you in the next one everybody bye bye